talking shit, baby. Every episode, I promise you was lit, baby. Every week, get some shit you can't miss, baby. Dylan Bob, still a vibe. Podcast game solidified, no caps. All fact like a snapper. Stream us on that Spotify or Apple, tap in. Roller coaster ride, strap in. We gon' take you for a ride, just take this shit in stride. All topics, sport the current event. Tell me who more current than this. Good luck with the mother shows. This the best one. Your sister and your brother knows. We talking shot, we talking shot, we talking shit, baby. We talking shot, we talking shot, we talking shit, baby. We talking shot, we talking shit, we talking shit, baby. We talking shot, we talking shot, we talking shit, baby. Yes, sir. Talking Shop, episode 94. I'm your host, Bobby Hall, and with me, as always, that's the D-Y-L-F. Dylan, what's going on, man? What's going on, Bobby? Another beautiful Wednesday with another guest on TSP Season 3. Let's get it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, that's great, man. I You just electrified me, and uh, I'm ready. I'm, I'm already ready to go, but I'm ready to run through a fucking brick wall, Dylan. That was fantastic you're right another wednesday episode we have four episodes left of season three uh two guests left and one of them being uh jennifer plant a friend of mine for over two decades now which really ages us uh quite a bit uh we're, we're old now but I'm very excited to have her on and uh, do some catching up and learn uh you know just what uh, she's been doing uh after all these years and uh how you're navigating through uh such foggy and unsure times but jen thanks for coming on the show welcome to talking shop we very much appreciate your time um, thanks for having me guys i'm really excited oh I, I mean how could you not after that intro there i mean that was just <laughs> lightning lightning in a fucking bottle you got over there good stuff to, to my understanding though to my understanding not just friends as you were telling me in pre-production yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of a touchy subject, but I mean, it's out there, you know, it's not really worth hiding anymore, but yeah, me and Jennifer, we're, we're married, so Just uh, we get see other there. people, and uh, we live on separate sides of, of the country, it is what it is, it's uh, ugly court battles, but uh, with COVID and stuff out there, it's just been on a, a, a 10-year, 12-year uh, recess, so uh, well, we'll, we'll get it all sorted out say. eventually. They say distance makes the heart more fun. The, the- we're just rekindling the flames, if you will. Um, yeah. This was the largest and the most attended wedding Lake High School ever had to offer. So I don't, know why, I don't know why I'm touting that in my 30s, but you know, it's something to be proud of. Yeah, that's a. Thing it was moment. great. Yeah, it was. It was really <laughs> awesome. We actually got married, and this is where it gets even more fun. We actually got married by her at the time high school boyfriend. So it was just the the variables. Um, that were involved here were just endless, and uh, it turned out to be a fantastic, um, you know, time. Yeah, it was great. But um, that's uh, that's water under the bridge, Dylan. You know, um, I told you not to bring that up, but it is what it is. <laughs> Sorry, it struck a nerve. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I'm just glad this is uh, over. You know, the uh, the internet here. We're not all together because then you'd see. You'd see some ugly, ugly stuff. A lot of mud would be uh, slung, but that's it for another time. You know. So fun, fun fact: uh, the photos from the wedding are still hanging in my mother's living room. So, uh, <laughs> what is it? Oh my god, twelve years, 
12 years, yeah. uh, you know, still, she's still holding out hope that I, I get married for real, but, uh, I think she'll just have to take our home ec high school senior wedding, uh, as a close second. Yeah. And I mean, and also I'll have to talk to her about it. Cause even if you do actually get married for real, that photo has to stay up anyways. I mean, why not? It's been up that long. Uh, there's no point of taking it down. I think it's just a part of, part of your home. So that's just that has to stay. It's like the clown picture on on the office and in, in the Halpert's household. Yeah, it's it's, pla- yeah, it's plastered on and it can't go anywhere. Stuck there forever. I but, mean, even uh, more that it's meant to be is that Bobby's parents' house is what a football field away from my parents' house. So probably not even. We probably could have did the the cup phones if we really wanted to. It it wasn't. Uh, Super far. We could have we could have made that that happen. <laughs> one one memory yeah. I have of Bobby. I'm sorry to hijack the show. One memory I have of Bobby is in third grade. Bobby was the coolest, and he could ride his bike with no handlebars. If you know what I mean. So he would loop the block with a Capri Sun and ride without using his hands. And he he would loop the block every so often. You and Tim Ankeny, if you remember that. Oh yeah, we yeah, absolutely. <laughs> With the Capri Sun and all. Yeah, cool. man. I, and cool. she's right. She's she's right. Um, I felt like an absolute badass being able to ride around. Yeah, and I could even turn a little bit. I couldn't do any sharp turns, but I could turn pretty all right with no handle hands on the, on the handlebars, man. Now, now, now the question has great. to be here: Were you a card in the fender guy or a can in the tire guy? Oh, can for sure. No, I never did card. Threw a can in there. Uh, first time I ever did. I think it was an accident. I might have ran just one over in the street. And um, once I heard what that sounded like, <laughs> yeah, that was that stayed there for for days, maybe even weeks. <laughs> yeah, until it shredded the tire. Yeah, different Good times, you know. I uh, I was all all over the village of Warbridge back in those I days. I won't need that photo though. Holding uh, down the Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of uh, a lot of bike races. I think I had one of the fastest Huffies in the tri-state area, and I will take that to the grave. I think we have a thumbnail. I told, for I told, the and, and we t- we said that you know I told her um, for the show that um, even though he's not going to be on the show, we do welcome and encourage you know Paul Tippy slander. So that dude uh, at the time when we were younger lived in Rossford, and, and we tell him often that he's lucky he didn't live in Warridge because he'd be getting dusted in bike races daily. So. And he claims otherwise. I, I wish if I ever do get my hands on a DeLorean or a time machine, I'm going to go back and I'm going to teach him a lesson. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I remember one of my badass bikes, man, got it for Christmas and it was modeled as a chopper. It was literally, it looked like a chopper. It was just with pedals on it. And it like had the high bars. And it wasn't, they had two different <laughs> oh, kinds of models. Okay. Yeah, it had, it, it had two kinds of models. Uh, my buddy had the other one where it had like the actual big fat back tire. In a skinny, long, like front tire, and it was a bicycle, and it was badass. There's two choppers. Mine had like the gas tank in the front. I had a speedometer on there. I went, got that baby going about 16 miles per hour, breaking a little bead sweat. It was what good. did the speedometer go up to on that thing? <laughs> I think the fastest downhill I got it to about 26. Oh, damn! Wow. Everybody but knows yeah, downhill's it cheating. It was you maybe a little gas bit of tank on there. Involved. Would you fill it with like garden hose water? I didn't think it had an entrance. It was just welded there for all looks, mm, no personality. 
Yep. Well, that's what's up, man. <laughs> hey, that's uh, that, those are pretty dope. I mean, I, I moved up eventually to the beach cruiser. Me and Foley, Nick Foley, shout out, um, would cruise around town on our beach cruisers, man. And those things, those things actually uh, are faster than you think. So I loved my my beach cruiser. I think it was great. Candy paint, green candy paint. It was dope. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think mine was like uh, red delicious apple red. Oh, okay. Wow. Then, yeah, you would have been, uh, and you're a Rossford boy. So, uh, I mean, um, you wouldn't have been, and then you're, yeah, you're as well. You're just like Paul. You wouldn't want any any trouble in, in our neck of the woods. That's fact. 100%. And, yeah. You know, we had our territory. You had yours. It was all right. Yeah, but just I mean, we were just chopper, chopper boy a little possible. more rough around the edges, man. You didn't want in the bike races. Pom, you know what pom pom is done. You're a little bit younger than than I am. Uh, pom pom, yes. Yeah, it probably has a different name. It's um, there's like somebody like in the deep end of the pool at the Aqua Terrace. It'd be one person in the middle, and like I don't know, six to eight people that would dive in and try to get to the other side of the pool without getting tagged. If you get tagged, then you got to join that person in the center until everyone everyone's uh, been tagged. I think there's a couple of different names for it, but we called it Pom Pom and, and Wobber. Yeah, it sounds it sounds familiar. Um, it was kind I, of I like reverse Red Rover. Yeah. Okay. Re- re- yeah, yeah. But, Bobby, you're, you're missing one point. Um, before you were allowed to play Pom Pom, you had to have permission from Mrs. Inman, Nicole's mom, to shut down the deep end. and. Knowing Nicole's mom, it was a 50-50 shot, a shot whether she'd do it or not because it's Nicole's mom. <laughs> yeah, but 100% um, certainty that you're going to get screamed at. So that's just uh, that's like a rite of passage in, in the Wabridge days back then. Um, to get to a certain point in your adolescence, you had to get screamed at um, by Cindy Inman. So, yep. Either that's at the floor or in the library. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, we, we've always had those ladies in our life, no matter where you grew up. That one specific lady. She's one of the kind, man. I, I wish you could meet her. She's definitely one one of one. Uh, one that's just that's all I can really say. She'd scare the shit out of you, you know. I think, Dylan. Was she like was she like a lifeguard or more just like the pool monitor? She just ran the whole. She ran like the whole pool. She had like the easiest jobs. Uh, of any adult that I knew, she ran the pool in the summer, and then come school time, she was the study hall monitor. I was like, "How do you how do you score these jobs?" It's great. <laughs> uh I, I guess I mean, it don't get any easier. I'm just saying that's just you get bank what, holidays, I mean, you get to tan, you get to yell at Paul. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, now yeah. now I'm seeing the positives. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. She definitely led to uh, Paul's, you know, male par- pattern balding without a doubt, without a doubt. So, shout out to Paul, man. It'll come back someday. But um, that was a nice trek down uh, memory lane. You know, I I, uh, I miss those days. It was great. Walbridge, uh, Walbridge was a great little town to grow up in. But Jen, you're uh, you're not in Walbridge anymore. You're out west. In, in Colorado, Denver, to be exact, what you said, right? Yep, yep. Uh, living in Denver, have been for the past three years now. Um, you know, come back to Ohio every so often, usually holidays and all that, but it's getting harder and harder to come back, especially with COVID. So, but yeah, I love it I out here. 
Yeah, I, I believe it. I mean, um, you know, our, our uh, mutual friend, Chris Mendy, I don't know how, how far from Denver he's at, but I know he is in Colorado. And, uh, he, I mean, he loves it out there as well. And uh, the pictures he posts and stuff, it seems pretty mountainous. And, uh, like, the views that he shows are pretty dope. So that's definitely a place I'd like to get out to um, whenever we reach any kind of level of normalcy again. Well, I'm sure Chris already extended, but you guys are always welcome. And anybody listening to the show, if anybody wants to come out to Denver, um, we turn our place into an Airbnb when we're not in town. But other than that, we all we do is eat and drink here. We hike occasionally, but we have all the best restaurants, best bars, and best sightsee- sightseeing points out there. So always feel free to contact wow. me if you ever want to come out. Um, Chris lives about two and a half hours south. We keep on crossing paths on Facebook, trying to meet up, but eh, you know how it goes. It, it's it's yeah. difficult, but it, it's really awesome to see, you know, people just getting out and exploring new places, especially Chris and with his daughter. It's it's a really cool thing to see. Yeah, for sure. Shout out to Chris. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's been awesome to kind of see. He takes his daughter out on these like really awesome hikes, and um, you know that's really awesome. And I, I like I love seeing that. But um, I hate to bring it up. I mean, because we've talked about it uh, at great length on this show. But I'm just interested to see um, kind of what the differences are between what's going on here in Ohio and out that way. Because Ohio right now we're hitting. I think we hit like seven, like 7,100 cases COVID in one day, which is like we've shattered. We've been shattering the record almost daily now which is pretty nuts. Um, but people out here, I think they just, there's a lot of people that are, are think they're above like wearing the mask and they want to still get together with people and stuff. And obviously it's starting to become pretty detrimental, but how are people uh, out there handling that? Are you guys kind of in the same um, boat per se, or are people kind of respecting the protocols and stuff? No, that's a good point to bring up. Uh, Denver and Colorado in general is pretty liberal. Um, especially Denver. It's a lot of uh, young people, a lot of active people. Um, You know, we have a lot of tech community in Denver. So um, I would say Denver specifically is pretty good about the mask rule. Um, Majority of bars and restaurants are open, but a common misconception of Denver is that it's always snowing. It's always cold. Um, in all reality, we have 300 days of sunshine, which really helps for outdoor seating. So a lot of restaurants have closed down parking lots and closed down side streets to expand their outdoor seating. So um, they're really great on that front. So we're, we can still go out to eat. Um, obviously, you still have to have a mask wherever you go. Servers have masks. And uh, it's really great because a lot of the companies are owned, operated, managed by this, I would like to say, and of of course, I'm a little biased, very liberal and forward thinking uh, crowd. So they take the highest precaution necessary for their employees. And of course, hold those standards pretty high for the customers and, uh, you know, patrons that come into the establishment and really uh, adhere to them. Um, So of course, every so often you see you know, mask below the nose or somebody not, uh, you know, practicing social distancing. But all in all, I would have to say Denver specifically does really good. Um, Boulder, again, a very progressive community, same way. Um, but 
of course, when you get to your more rural communities, um, you know, less condensed areas, it starts to that that tightness, that uh, social distancing and mask wearing starts to lose its tightness, I guess, um, a little more lackadaisical um, and more in the rural areas or the more um, red areas of the state, if you would, uh, Pueblo, Colorado Springs, um, you, you start to see a little more laxness in, uh, sure. you know, protocols like that. But Denver, I would say two thumbs up. They're, they're doing pretty awesome with it. That's what's up. Yeah. Um, now, um Dylan, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I just wanted to take it not from a, uh, a COVID-19 standpoint, kind of reverse table being in Colorado, a recreational state, uh, with uh, cannabis, how is it living in a state? Is there like what are the benefits of a recreational for those that are listening right now in a state that is not recreational? Uh, the benefits, I know there's uh, a lot of revenue involved, um, on top of probably a little bit more chill people in the environment, I would imagine. So, uh, kind of recollect on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if we prefaced this yet, but I was a tour guide all across the country, but I was also a tour guide here in Denver, um, running day tours up to the Rocky Mountains, and obviously. That is the elephant in the room. That's the question everybody, especially tourists, come to Denver. And that is the first question they ask. Where can I get weed? Uh, <laughs> you know, how? tell me. Tell me everything about it. Um, so first off, you know, we were one of the first states to uh, rec- rec- uh, legalize recreational marijuana. And with that, with uh, us passing that, they promised the state and especially the public schools, a large portion of that tax revenue. So that was a big portion of um, us legalizing. And of course, uh, Colorado being uh, a, a pretty liberal state, obviously, a lot of young people, they're like, why the fuck not? Can we cuss on here? I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and why the fuck not, right? It's not hurting anybody. So that was a big promise when they initially passed it. Unfortunately, being the first state to pass it, um, there's a lot of you know, trial and error that has to go along with that. So what happened was uh, a lot of that money didn't make it to the schools as promised because it went into uh, having, having a, oh man, what am I trying to say? Uh, dead space. Sorry. You're good. You're good. <laughs> oh, hey, all good. All good. I wish you could like my More like, like roads and stuff. Yeah, they're trying to put protocols in place and it took a lot more time and money than they anticipated. So having right. task force in place to um, implement... Because they're uh, all stoned. <laughs> <laughs> that works too. But yeah, I mean, I always tell people like, you know, obviously every so often you turn a corner and you get a big whiff of it, but it's just like when you're 18 and you want to drink, you do it a lot more often. And then when you're 21 and you're allowed to drink... It's kind of like a given. Yeah, we, we go we go to the dispensary, we buy edibles every so often, but you know, I'm not baked on my couch twenty four seven. It's just it's just a nicety to have, especially when you need it. Like sure. I'm not gonna lie, I go get a bath bomb every so often, I get a couple edibles and I have a great Friday night. But it, it's not something that I think is a detriment to the community. And I'm sure your followers are on the same page, but uh, it has a lot of upside because uh, we're not we're not arresting people for these kind of menial menial misdemeanors or felonies because it's legal. 
So, and of course, the big upside is that we have a lot of tourism because of it. So the tourism boost and the tax boost was huge for Colorado. And it just, it's able to implement a lot of different things for Denver and Colorado in general. That's what I'm talking about. Why can't we just do this all over the place? Let's fund our schools and education with drug money, fix our infrastructures, and we can just be all chill, relaxed when you want to be. Because like you said, when it's available and accessible and legal, more people, more than not, is going to not do it uh, just because of like people do things just because it's illegal. And that that uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The rebelness uh, per se is like makes that, I guess, enhances the the high or the experience. It's always fun to sneak around, man. It's always fun right. to sneak around. Right. You know? It's, it's like high school, good. like allegedly, you know, maybe had a drink <laughs> or two. Allegedly. But um, yeah, yeah the, the the sneaking around and, and knowing that uh, you're not supposed to uh, as to it. But no, you're right, man. It goes to, it goes nice to my to, theory, though. It goes to my theory that uh, especially when you can kind of evolve this to like turn it to like parenting, the more you constrict your child and on what they're allowed and what they can't do, um, the more they're wanting to do those things. So like you see like preacher's daughters, for instance, or any, I guess, daughters or even sons for that matter, end up being more rebellious, r- ambitious, and uh, I can't even think of the word, but out. Uh, Only I think with the legalization as well, I mean, just like you said, everybody's chill as fuck here. Um, Everybody gets high, takes a hike, and then ends the day at a brewery. So I think of all the drugs to be legalized, and we can get on that conversation after this, but marijuana is the least threatening, obviously. It's just everybody's chill. There's no bar fights. I mean, everybody's just laid back and enjoying good food. So there you go. And especially with what's going on now, like you need you need you like that to kind of like chill you out because uh, there's a there's a sit. huge medical side to it. I mean, just right. like mental health standards. I mean, anxiety, depression, anything like that. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's huge. Uh, fun story is when probably back in April or March when everybody was shutting down and doing the stay at home, uh, the governor announced that they were going to be shutting down liquor stores and dispensaries within 15 minutes of that being said or announced on, on TV, there was lines circling the block at every dispensary because people were freaking the fuck out that they're not going to be able to <laughs> get high for three weeks. So it was pretty funny. I'm feeling it. I, I feel the pain within 24 hours. So I, I, I can imagine I, I do it not to like, I mean, at first, obviously, it was more so like, oh, the cool kids are doing it. So, you know, uh, hanging out with uh, some buddies, smoking. And then uh, it turned more into more of like a recreational fun thing to do after work into more of like uh, a, medic- um, a medical way of using it to relieve like stress and um, high anxiety. And I have like a short fuse temper. So like that in- immensely uh, lengthens my fuse once I'm under the influence. Um so it's stuff like that. It's like, like you said, very, very well uh, said with the medical usage as opposed to the, just recreational using it. To switch gears a little bit, though, I'm, I've always been interested because, as your Instagram name states, you're the travel queen. And I've seen, you know, via socials, you pretty much be all over this country. And um, I always wondered if it was 
um, like a part of like your job or whatever, you know, career path you were on at the time, or uh, if you're just going on these trips uh, just to go. And um, I was wondering what some, some of your favorite places you've traveled to. And then, yeah, if that was just a part of, uh, you know, your, your work journey, or if you were just taking all these trips uh, just to check out different places and things. Well, uh, I'll start with the first question. Uh, my favorite place to travel to, I, I always answer it. And I'm sorry to be cliche, but it, it's, it's a hard one to answer because everywhere is so different. Um, my favorite cities uh, are definitely Vegas and New Orleans for obvious reasons. Um, we'll, we'll probably dive into the food talk a little later, but New Orleans, oh, yeah. if you haven't been, has the character, has the food, has the music, has the booze. It just checks so many boxes. And, you know, of course, everybody knows Las Vegas. It's always a great time for a party. But um, those are my two big cities that I never turn down the opportunity to go to if I can. Um, But National Park Wise, which was, we'll get into it in a second, a a big focus of my, my last career job um, my, my favorite national park, if you ever get a chance to go, was also my very first national park, which is Zion. Uh, Zion National Park is in southern Utah. Uh, super small park, but it's about the, the fourth most visited national park in the United States. Uh, just stunning views if you ever have a chance to look it up. Um, awesome hikes, red rocks, green trees. Uh, it, it's just a really special place. And of course, you know, being my first national park, uh, holds a very special place in my heart. Um, but there, if you've never been to a national park, and I guess I'll use this as my my platform, 100% take a vacation, make a, make a point to go to one. It is uh, really impressive to see what's right in your backyard. Um, so to get into your next question, um, you know, how did I start traveling, essentially? Um, I always feel like, you know, I, I had it in my bones, I guess. I, I always like moving and doing uh, sure. different things and being being a little little different. Um, but I kind of fell into it ass backwards. Uh, I went to college at BG, BGSU, and uh, I got a degree in visual communication technology. So basically graphic design, photography, uh, pretty creative path. And right out of college, I got a job at Libby Glass. Uh, right downtown Toledo. And I enjoyed it. I I learned a lot of great things uh, as a graphic designer there and met a lot of great people. But the longer I was in a cubicle job, um, the more I found myself staring out the window. I I wanted to be outside. I wanted to uh, explore things. And I I felt like my, my life was, you know, it painted a terrible picture of cubicle jobs. But uh, slipping away day by day. And I was wishing away five days a week for two days of freedom. So um, I remember one year, I, I got the invite to go to Coachella, uh, a music festival in California. And uh, I met some friends out there and we just had a week of debauchery, shenanigans, and just amazing fun in a place I had never been. And that after that trip, I, I just got this notion that I, I can't be changing the desktop picture on my computer to, you know, scratch that itch. Like I, I need to go do something. So uh, after that trip, I got back to Ohio 
admittedly a little hungover and possibly <laughs> not in the right mind, but okay. I was just like, I got to do it. So um, that was the turning point for me. I realized that I was going to quit my job six months later. Um, you know, I didn't tell anybody because I knew everybody thought I, I would think I was crazy. So uh, I started saving up my money. I started paying down my student loans and kind of cutting all those strings that kept me in my job and kept me in Ohio. So um, as this six months went on, the idea started to snowball of what I was actually going to do when I quit my job. And I, I just thought to myself, well, what have you always wanted to do? And the first thought was, I want to go to fucking Australia. So during oh, that yeah. six months, I, I bought a one-way ticket to Australia. Um, I sold everything I owned. Uh, I sold my car, my apartment, everything in my apartment. I mean, we're talking the microwave that was passed down from college student to college student. I was selling everything, five bucks here, 10 bucks there. Um, every, every time I sold something, it was, what could this buy you in Australia? This could buy me a plane ticket, a train ticket, you know, a tour. What, what could that do for me as an experience? So I, I sold everything. I, I made as much money as possible. During that time, I was working three jobs. I was working, uh, my time at Libby as a graphic designer. I was also bartending uh, in Bowling Green. And when I could, I was doing weddings and shooting weddings. Uh, and once I finished that, I ended up selling all my camera gear, which is pretty unfathomable at this point. But I, I sold everything. And I, I kind of jumped in head first uh, because I knew if it wasn't going to be right then, when was it going to be? So uh, I went. And when I was in Australia, had the time of my life, um, you know, had a bunch of money saved up and didn't find uh, any reason to, you know, find a new job or, you know, change that that traveling lifestyle. So I, I visited Sydney, which, of course, everybody, you know, is pretty familiar with. But I also went to some more, uh, or I guess, lesser known areas of southern Australia and Melbourne and went scuba diving in Cairns. It, it sounds so out there, but it is also so attainable. Um, and I think that's one thing that I, I, I proved to myself when I was out there that, you know, anybody can do it. I mean, I worked three jobs to make it happen, but it was, it was completely attainable. It's not just for Instagram influencers. It's not just for the ultra rich and the ultra wealthy, but it was something that, you know, little old Jen from Ohio could absolutely do as well. So, um, you know, kind of fast forward, I know this is a long story, but uh, eventually when I was in uh, Australia, I got a Facebook message because of course I was on social media, you know, kind of documenting my trip and a friend that I had met at that Coachella festival reached out to me and he said, hey, looks like you, uh, you know, jumped off the deep end. You don't have a job. Uh, I just finished the best summer of my life tour guiding. Uh, you should look into it. Here's the link. Um, you know, I can be your reference, but it might be something right up your alley. So I really wasn't going to jump on that at all. I was, I was pretty content living the bachelor life, if you will. 
you know, had money. I was going to keep on traveling. I didn't want a job. Um, but one rainy day in Australia, I decided to, you know, fill up some blank hotel time. And I emailed them my resume and kind of filled out their questionnaire. And the next few days, I got a call asking for a Skype interview. So I did the Skype interview and it went awesome. And they called me up and they said, hey, you want to be a tour guide? I said, sure. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing though. So <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they, they asked me to come back and do a training session. So I, I flew, eventually f- flew from Fiji in the middle of, oh gosh, the Pacific Ocean. And made my way to Philadelphia (laughs) and it was, it was terrifying. Um, I knew it was going to be amazingly fun, but I had no skills. I had uh, very little people skills other than bartending, uh, you know, customer service, of course, but, um, you know, I had never been to a national park. I've uh, never drove a 15 person van with a 12 foot trailer on the back. I mean, to be honest at that time, I'd never been camping. Other than a music festival, which, you know, we can't count. But other than that, I'd never been camping. And I was just hired for a job that was supposed to teach other people how to do all of these things. So as exciting as it was, I was shitting bricks. I I was like, oh, my God, I'm a fraud. You know, how am I going to convince 13 people every day that I can lead them across the country. And it was, again, it was a very life-changing moment um, to, you know, be given this opportunity or find this opportunity because, uh, you know, I, I learned all those things. I went through training. I cried a couple times because I didn't want to give up this amazing opportunity to get paid to travel. So, you know, we, we get through training and I, I start this amazing job with Trek America. Um, it's a, a brand out of the UK that um, basically sells tours to uh, 18 to 27 year olds in the UK to come over the United States and get that US experience. So hitting big cities, hitting national parks and What's different than the United States, a lot of European countries have sabbaticals, so you can take extended periods of time off, and of course, much better vacation options than we have here. So a majority of those kids would come over for three weeks at a time, and you know our tours that we offered um, ranged from seven days to 80 days, all right? And you know, majority of the ones that I ran were three weeks long. I would pick up a group in New York, all fresh faces, never been to the United States. Um, you know, and they would look at me and they're like, who is this blonde bitch who's going to take me camping? Like, she does not look like she's going to take me camping. Right. Um, so I had three, three weeks to kind of show them how, how to do it, how to enjoy uh, all these places that I essentially had never been before. So it was a lot of learning on your feet, a lot of, um, you know, learning as you go. And we always called it uh, uh, like a, a duck on water. Up top, you're graceful. And below below the water, you're paddling like hell. So we would do, oh, man, I would say 18-hour days 
a lot of times. We'd wake up at five in the morning and I wouldn't be finished setting up camp and making dinner and getting everybody, making sure everybody's okay until 10, 11 o'clock at night. So there was a lot of hardship. And, you know, I I guess that's one thing I want to make clear is that it's so easy to look at somebody's social media and go, oh, all these beautiful places. She's just kicking back and living the life. But a lot of people don't post those those hard times. I was away from my family for extended periods of time. Um, You know, I was caring for 13 adults who act like children sometimes. You know, I miss my mom. I miss my dad. I, I forgot my sunscreen. Where's my passport? You're, you're a babysitter, uh, an adult babysitter. And, you know, I, I wouldn't want that to be construed as I'm complaining, but not everything as is as glamorous as it seems. But it was it was an amazing opportunity. And it took me to 47 states, uh, you know, 47 states and a whole bunch of national parks and whole bunch of cities and of course meeting some of the most amazing people that I've had the pleasure of meeting so it's it's amazing I, I, I you know again I feel like I'm on a soapbox but I I just I want people to know that it's totally attainable it's it's not it's not something that's this pipe dream this this crazy idea you, you can do it if you really want to and you know you want to sacrifice for it and you kind of that's uh, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, definitely. You kind of ended off right there. Um, kind of what I was going to ask if someone out there listening right now may not know exactly how to obtain this goal of they're wanting getting out of like the cage and and sprawl out and experience the world that they're living in, uh, but they may just not have like it inside them to break free or break free, excuse me, and jump out of the nest and fl- and flap their wings. Uh, what could you, what would you tell that person that might be listening right now on uh, maybe it's not the financial uh, error or anything like that, but it's more so what's inside them uh, to break through that barrier to actually make that jump. Absolutely. I, uh, I would say do something different every day. Uh, it can be the, the smallest thing of taking a different route to work Maybe you use your GPS every day to get somewhere, try doing it without. It's very small things that can eventually snowball into giving you that confidence of making that jump. And however big it may be, it might be moving to Australia, but it also might be driving to Upper Michigan, you know, and starting with those small, um, very small attainable goals, if you will. And working your way up and giving yourself confidence with those small wins. Uh, I, I definitely started with, uh, you know, traveling to Upper Michigan when I was younger. Um, you know, going to different music festivals in uh, in the East Coast, especially, you know, uh, Connecticut, and you know, when music festivals were a thing, I guess. But and, you know, doing doing those types of things, uh, making the small step and encouraging yourself along the way that you can do it. But I would definitely start with, uh, you know, small weekend trips. If traveling is your thing that you want to accomplish, you know, there's there's so many places in Ohio that I've never explored. And I think that's that says a lot that there's so much in your backyard. You don't have to, you know, go to Alaska or Australia. There's so much right in your backyard that you don't need to travel too far for. Yeah. And I, uh, 
I don't, like I said, I'd always wondered how, how you, um, you know, got to go to all these places and I don't know, even though I guess we, we, we've been friends a long time, but I just didn't want to just jump out of, out of nowhere and message be like, Hey, like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, I didn't want to be like invasive. So, um, that was something I want to ask. And, and that's, that's a really cool story of how you were able to kind of travel around and, um, man, really, really ballsy moves that you made to make it happen too. That's, uh, definitely something that's really commendable and uh, admirable. So that's awesome that you got to, uh, live that out. Um, I don't, I don't really know anyone else that, that, uh, we grew up with that was able to do the same thing. So, um, a couple of follow-up questions I had though, definitely was, um, how is Zion park in comparison to, um, one of the great national parks in the country, uh, loop park that was right in our backyard. Um, as far as uh, sightseeing and, um, um, with you being down in New Orleans, you've visited a couple times. Have you ever been down during um, like Mardi Gras or anything like that? Oh that gosh! Up to the hype? Oh my gosh! Those are two two wildly different uh, questions. But um, <laughs> yeah. Zion, Zion is my favorite. Just Google pictures of Angels Landing. Uh, you know, if you have a, t- a chance, it's some of the most stunning red rocks and you know green valleys in insanely blue skies because it's uh just about in the desert um but it 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 just is a very towering feel the park um you know you guys have all heard of uh, grand canyon if you've been there um you're on the rim you're at the highest point of the park and you're looking down whereas zion is the opposite you start in the valley of the park looking up at these crazy monoliths and red red rocks that tower above you and all the hikes go upwards so you just keep on getting this incredible view as you get out of the canyon so that's what made um zion as the top of my list is that you you just feel so small inside the canyon and it has so much to offer whether it be the river that runs through or getting up to the highest point of the uh the red rocks that are towering above um but that doesn't mean it's the best park. It's definitely one of my favorite. And there's so many other ones that are just completely stunning. Yosemite and Denali and, you know, the list goes on. But I, I just recommend jumping out there and seeing one of them. The closest one to you, that'll do. And it's it's really stunning. It's really, it sets the bar of why they call it a national park. Um, but the more interesting question would be Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Now, obviously... This was pre-COVID, and it was an insane time. Um, I'm pretty lucky that with my job um, and all the tour leaders that I have in my network, um, we live all across the country, so I know a lot of different people in a lot of different awesome places. And we got the call from a couple of our tour leader buddies saying, hey, come down to Mardi Gras. You can stay with us which is the best place to travel or the best way to travel when you have a free place to stay. So yep. um, how many of us, 20 of us, 20 of us go to Mardi Gras. Yeah. About 20 of us went to Mardi Gras and stayed in two different houses. So packed on the floor, uh, you know, cuddle puddles everywhere, just everybody's on top of one another. And it's a completely insane time that starts at 10 in the morning and goes till two in the morning. Um, you're, you're constantly going from parade to parade. Um, and like I said, you're 
you're jumping from amazing restaurant restaurant to amazing restaurant and along the way you're getting incredible excuse me incredible music um but the the one thing that stood out to Mardi, about Mardi Gras was that it's not all about the titties and booze so um. the the real Mardi Gras <laughs> um and I implore you to kind of really go into the real Mardi Gras, but it's a lot more historically based than what a lot of people see on Google. A lot of people see, of course, you know, everybody's flashing one another and getting beads. Honestly, that is 365 days a year in New Orleans. There's always beads. There's always boobs. There's always booze. Uh, that is the debauchery that goes down on Bourbon Street, which is the most uh, infamous street of New Orleans. But Mardi Gras has a lot of history behind it. And, you know, I kind of ashamed that I don't know as much as I should, but there's a lot of um, fraternities uh, involved with Mardi Gras. So a lot of old men's clubs and a lot of clubs that essentially uh rent out or purchase these floats that you see on Google. Um, and each member of the fraternity actually purchases thousands of dollars worth of beads to throw out. It's a very prestigious um, part of their membership, being able to go on the float that goes through different boroughs of New Orleans. And they throw the beads to kids and adults. And it's a ve- very uh, family friendly, or definitely can be very family friendly, um, in the different areas. And, and believe it or not, a lot of Mardi Gras isn't based around Bourbon Street, which is again that that main drag. It's in the different boroughs and the different neighborhoods of New Orleans, and it's, it's a very special time for the people. Everybody comes together. They the, the parades can start at seven in the morning, or they can be at midnight. And of course, you know it's a little more X-rated at midnight. But the the day ones are are family friendly and they're still throwing out beads and it's just a very joyous time. Uh, you go out with your your friends and your family and your neighbor and then you catch some beads and then go to the local, you know, crawfish shack and have some food and drink. So it, it's really awesome. I hundred percent recommend if you can ever plan around getting to Mardi Gras. Um, it is a one one in a million one in a million vacation to, to get to Mardi Gras. Nice. Nice. And that kind of reminded me and you travel around the world a lot. And I'm wondering if you've been to one of these places, I can't, I can't forget where they have this celebration at, but it's like, don't they have like a celebration somewhere where they, um, gather around kind of like Mardi Gras instead of throwing beads, it's tomatoes and they have tomatoes everywhere. So I think that's in Spain. Um, yeah, I I haven't been there. It's, you know, of course I see the pictures too. It it looks amazing. Um, we actually went to Mardi Gras in Germany. Um, it's called Fasenach. Um, and it's their, uh, carnival. Um, that's what they call it. It's not Mardi Gras per se, but it's around the same, uh, religious holiday of Fat Tuesday. And, uh, the funny thing is they have some really political floats going through in Germany. And when we went, um, you know, not to get political and, you know, not, not trying to pick sides, but they had a lot of Trump based, uh, floats going through, uh, in Germany, which is kind of bizarre and they were very inappropriate. So it, it's, it's a completely different world, uh, in Europe, especially when viewing the United States. And it, it was really funny, but 
you almost didn't want to perk up and say you're from the United States because they had a very, very poor view of what was going on. But uh, that's neither here nor there. They still have an amazing uh, parade. Uh, they're, they're getting shit faced. They're getting drunk. They're having good times and they're eating a lot of food. So if you can ever get to one of these events, you know, Mardi Gras, Carnival, tomato throwing in Spain. I mean, it's, it's a really cool cultural experience. Oh yeah. That sounds awesome. Um, I've only, uh, I haven't got to travel around to, to some of the bigger cities in the country. I mean, I've made some big, some big trips, obviously out far East, which is always fun um, to see family and stuff like that. But I've definitely have always wanted to, to visit um, big cities like New Orleans. I've never been to Vegas either. I went, to, went out to LA once and that was, that was pretty fucking awesome. But other than that, I've been pretty much, uh, in the Midwest, but I don't know, maybe as, uh, the kids get older. We'll start doing some family vacays and and uh, start start hitting these uh, other cities and stuff. But we got uh, a couple more questions, and then uh, we got to bring you into the TSP arena for a little this or that that we do with our guests uh, that we have every week. But um, we got to get into some of this food talk, of course, while we have right. you, uh, especially knowing all these places you've been to. So if you want to run through some of your favorite restaurants or, or dishes that you've had along uh you know your your journeys through the the country and world really um uh, mm-hmm. definitely let us know yeah um and i've said before new orleans has everything it checks so many boxes and of course one of my most favorite boxes that it checks is uh having some phenomenal food um in new orleans if you ever make it there i would recommend going to a place called coop's place Coop's Place is the smallest, diviest bar. In fact, their kitchen is in an alley. All right. When you go to New Orleans, this is not going to shock you. Um, but it's it's dirty. It's gross. And they pump out the most amazing jambalaya. It's a uh, rabbit, a crawfish, uh, shrimp. It is to die for. And it's really indicative of New Orleans style cooking. It's true New Orleans. And I, I always implore people, if you go to a big city, don't go to a chain restaurant. Go to something that's local and uh, really reflects on the, the culture of the city. And Coop's Place is one of them. And, you know, it's definitely not, it's probably not what the locals would suggest, but it's going to be right on Bourbon Street. It's close to all the action and it's going to give you the best taste of New Orleans, um, you know, closest to the action, closest to the city. Um, other than that, uh, what's that fried chicken place in Nashville? What's that fried chicken place in Nashville? Ah, anyway, um, Memphis and Nashville have some really amazing hot chicken. Uh, I can't think of the name right now, but, uh, they're, they're really well known for their hot chicken. Um, I would say much better than Cane's. <laughs> uh, and it's so spicy that they, they'll look at you and be able to tell how much spice you can handle. Um, it, it's pretty amazing. Uh, it's some pretty great food in uh, Nashville and Memphis as well. Um, in LA, if you ever go back, Bobby, um, I would recommend going to this hot dog joint called Pink's Hot Dogs. Um, you know, the hot dogs are, are 
are pretty good. They have a lot of, uh, you know, weird combinations and, you know, all that good stuff. But I think what attracted me to Pink's hot dogs is kind of the flair. Um, All the celebrities eat at Pink's. And very similar to Tony Paco's in Toledo, uh, they have all the celebrities sign the hot dog buns. Um, So everybody will wait in line and, you know, get a hot dog there and hope to see Leonardo DiCaprio getting a fucking fried sausage. But it's a, it's a, it's a good pick, but LA has a lot of great, uh, you know, Mexican food, um, you know, tacos and all that good stuff. Uh, I mean, it's, there's a lot of great restaurants out there, but I guess the, the, the point to take home is never go to a chain restaurant when you're traveling, find something different, find something that's, you know, absolutely really indicative of culture. All right. I knew you'd have some, some dope spots. Um, especially, yeah, I, I, uh, I love some jambalaya, so I can't imagine, uh, it being anything but uh, fantastic down in, in new Orleans. Um, another question I have, I think would be interesting to know is uh, like besides family and friends, um, what are, if anything, what are some of the things that uh, you miss about Ohio in the Midwest? I, I would say just the, the type of people, um, I'm pretty lucky in Denver, a majority of the population is from the Midwest. A lot of people from Ohio, a lot of people from Iowa, that's kind of relocated to a more hip city, I guess you could say. Um, And that's pretty cool. You still have that Midwest vibe, but I really miss um, the, the Midwest pleasantries. Hey, how's it going? And it's not just a one word answer. It's, oh, you know what? This, that, and the other thing happened. And you know, Joe down the street. And, you know, you get into these really uh, real conversations with people and they really unfold a lot quicker um, than they do elsewhere. And and that's one thing that I miss about the Midwest is that welcoming, raw uh, conversation. And it's so. It's so much easier to, of course, you know, you guys are in your thirties too. Like it's, it's hard to make friends when you're adults. And I feel like it was much easier, um, you know, back in the Midwest when you had that, that leg up in the conversation when both parties are so, so easy to divulge everything that they're talking or everything that they're feeling and you can find a, a commonality much quicker. So that, that's definitely one thing that I missed. Um, I know last time I went back home, it was during the summer and I miss driving the country roads with the radio on and the windows down. Um, you don't get that a lot in the city. Uh, you get up in the mountains and you have to have two hands on the steering wheel and, you know, white knuckling it the whole time. So I, I really miss that relaxed backcountry driving, you know, going 80 down some cornfields and not a care in the world. So uh, that's those are two things that really stand out that I miss. Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I would blew it fucking eleven o'clock at night. Um yeah. I got one last question before we bring in to the arena. Uh and it's a question we ask every guest uh at the end of uh each episode, and that is uh knowing what you know today, what is one thing you would at or tell you would tell your eighteen year old self? Oh, oh that's a good one. Um uh don't cry. Uh, you're going to get your heart broken and you have to look at, you know, the, the trials and tribulations as ways to grow stronger. Uh, it's going to happen, but pick yourself up and keep on moving. 
I like that. And I'm sorry. I, I thought it was, just, it was a school assignment. I didn't know that you were really going to take that to heart, the, the whole wedding thing. So uh, that's my fault. <laughs> I, I do apologize. I just want to come on air and say sorry uh, 13 they, years later. They always break your heart. I'm going to get over it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Jen, if you're ready, we're going to bring you into the arena here, TSP Arena. Okay. We're going to play a little game called This or That. I'm going to run through a bunch of this or that. Basically, um, I'm going to ask, you know, um, something like High Seer Capri Sun, like a bunch of those in 90 seconds. Uh, we'll see how you do. Uh, some of them get pretty hard. So uh, some is people stumble. A, is this similar to your March Madness trees? A little bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to run through and um, we'll see. We'll see if you say uh, the right answer on some of these. I, I might judge on a few of them. But Dylan, when you're ready, uh, you can throw the timer up and we'll get it going. Absolutely. Jennifer, are you ready? Yes. Absolutely. We like to keep it clean, squeaky clean, that is, inside the TSP arena. So be sure to take off the hiking boots and buckle up, baby, because we are going for 90 seconds, this or that. Let's go. Huge. Huge. All right, Jen. Chicken or steak? Steak. Bone in or boneless wings? Boneless. Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi. Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network? Nickelodeon. Starburst or Skittles? Starburst, 100%. Twix or Snickers? Uh, Snickers. Beer or liquor? Uh, Liquor. Pizza rolls or pizza bagels? Ooh, uh, pizza bagels. I'm going to follow up at the end of this, see how, how you cook those. But pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Cookies or brownies? 40 seconds. Cookies. Netflix or Hulu? Hulu. Pumpkin or apple pie? Pumpkin. Flip-flops or sneakers? Uh, flip-flops. Nintendo or Sega? Nintendo. Bowling or putt-putt? Putt-putt. Spring or fall? 15 seconds. Spring. Art or music festival? Ooh, uh, music. Nine, eight, eBay or Amazon? Seven, six, Amazon. Five, four, Sweet or sour? Three, two, Sweet. Two, one, Simpsons or Family Guy? Sim- family Guy. And, okay. And then, I gotta ask now, because you're out west now, pop or soda? Which is it? Pop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good. Hey, hey, I'd ask. You never know. Shit, it shit changes out there. But I got to follow up the, the pizza bagels. How do you cook those? Please. I mean, I want to make sure you're doing it in the oven. You know, fuck around with the microwave. And air fryer. Okay. Here you go. Very much. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, even better. Even better. That's that's a that's a fantastic answer. As long as it wasn't microwave, um, everything is good on there. You did pretty well. You did pretty well. Uh, what'd you think, Dylan? Wasn't too bad, right? You flew through most of those. Yeah, not a bad rendition of this or that at all. Um, I think the air fryer was a nice uh, riding on the fence answer, um, but I'll take it. Speaking of actually, because this is something we, because we, D- Dylan is re- like a regular bagel. Uh, I like mine toasted, but Dylan will put his in the microwave for 15 to 30 seconds. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know what? I'm not a huge bagel person. I hate to say that, but. Um, 
You know what? I'm going to go with Dylan. I like the. Oh, my God. That's what I'm talking part. about. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Wrap it the fuck up. That's why, Let's go, uh, baby. That's <laughs> why, why, why we didn't last. That's why we didn't fucking last. But uh, no, Jeff, this was great. This was a lot of fun. Um, I'm, I'm really glad you came on the show with us. It was awesome to catch up and awesome to kind of learn um, just how you were able to, you know, travel around the country and uh, make something, something shake like that. That was really, that was a really cool story. No, this was awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. You guys run of a hell of a show. So I, I really commend you on all the work you put into it and the commitment and you know, this has been way more professional than I thought it was going to be. So I don't know if that's a compliment or a compliment. I don't, don't know either. <laughs> I appreciate you guys having me. It really is an honor. Absolutely. And uh, we'd love to bring you back sometime, you know, in the, in the future and uh, continue to, to talk about traveling and, and whatever the fuck else. Because I really uh, enjoyed that conversation immensely. So. Definitely. Where can they follow you, Jennifer, to, to capture all these these sceneries that you're that you're seeing? Oh, well, a shameless plug, if you will. Um, on Instagram, I'm at Jennifer Jean Travel Queen. Um, I post all my pictures there, and I'm Jennifer Jean on Facebook. So, uh, if you're if you're a friend of Bobby's, you're a friend of mine. Um, you know, and never never hesitate to reach out if this is something that you're you're interested in learning more about. I'm always willing to talk about travel with anybody so don't be afraid i'm here if you need anything hey heather it is there you have it episode 94 what a thrilling hiking adventure but anyways thank you so much jennifer for giving us more uh than an hour of your time now that i'm looking at the time um, thank you so much for giving us those stories. I feel like I traveled myself for just sitting inside my studio here. Um, <laughs> thank you, Bobby, for bringing on Jennifer at the last second because one of our uh, guests, I believe, uh, uh, canceled out last thing. So thank you so much for that. From myself, hopefully we can get Joe Vember back next week for the TSP listeners out there. Unfortunately, couldn't meet you, Jennifer, and go on that journey with us. But from myself, Bobby, Jennifer, and Joe Vember, from wherever he's at in his house right now, have a wonderful week, friends, and we'll catch you next Sunday on TSP 95.